back was killing him. But his brother Bobby was waiting for him in his last remaining sanctuary, the Oval Office, and he headed for the stairs. Kennedy had just emerged from the Situation Room after yet another superheated briefing with his Joint Chiefs. The hawkish Pentagon brass wanted immediate preemptive nuclear strikes deep within the heart of Russia. Kennedy wouldn't budge. His Cuban naval blockade, he insisted, was America's best hope of calling Khrushchev's bluff and averting all-out war. Behind the closed doors of the Oval Office, Jack Kennedy paced before the crackling fire, his public face gone, his private one a rictus of worry and pain. You heard about this goddamn red stick business, Jack? Bobby Kennedy asked his older brother. Well, it's all they want to talk about down there. Now that they finally got the stick to beat me with, they're hell-bent on using it. Tell me, Jack. Well, at the Soviet convoy's current speed, the Pentagon calculates Soviet ships will arrive at our outer defensive perimeter in less than 72 hours. But based on all this new information we've been getting from British naval intelligence, the scales may have tipped dangerously in favor of Russia's submarine hunter-killers. Why? Well, the Ruskies have some new kind of undersea acoustic technology called SOFAR, an advanced sonar boy codenamed Red Stick. Apparently they can pick up our sub-screw signatures from a thousand miles away. And Jesus, Bobby, if it's true, it means our blockade is full of holes. Worthless, just like the chiefs have been telling me for days. Bobby, his hand shoved deep in his pockets, his shoulders slumping with fatigue and anxiety, stood staring through the window at the sodden rose garden. He wasn't sure how much more bad news his brother could take. He put a smile on his face and turned towards Jack. Now look, the Brits are on it. All we can do at the moment is being done. Oh, any word from them? Christ, we've been waiting to hear something from that sub of theirs since dawn. Timely information from these people is as rare as rocking horse shit. Naval Intelligence London called defense ten minutes ago. Their sub-dreadnought is steaming at flank speed en route to pick up one of their top field agents in Scotland, a man named Hawk. Sub's ETA at Scarp Island in the Hebrides is 0600 GMT. The Hawk will be inserted inside the Soviets' Arctic Red Stick base six hours later. If their man gets in and out alive, we'll know something definitive about Red Stick's range parameters, uh, acoustic sensitivity, communication capabilities, and... Uh, fuck the acoustic sensitivity. I want to know how many of these damn things they've got and where the hell they're located. And if they're anywhere near our theater of operations, I want to know how fast we can take them out. Well, Brits say they will have that intelligence in 12 hours. 12? Bobby, goddammit, I need this information now. If they've deployed these fucking red sticks in the South Atlantic, it affects every single defensive operation Admiral Denison's submarine forces are conducting down there. Well, apparently Hawk is the best they've got, Jack. If anything can be done, he can do it. Well, hope to God they're right, Jack said, collapsing into his favorite wooden rocker, the one with the cane seat and yellow canvas covering the wooden back. He rocked as he stared into the fire, desperately trying to come to grips with the fact that he was suddenly entrusting the fate of the whole damn world to some goddamn Englishman he'd never even heard of. Hawk! Jack Kennedy said, rubbing his reddened eyes and staring up at Bobby. Who the living hell is Hawk? He had a rifle slung on his back and a single bullet burning a hole in his pocket. His name was Hawk. He was a hard-hearted warrior in a cold war suddenly gone piping hot. 
killing time before a mission pickup. He was stalking a giant red stag across the rain-swept moors of Scarp Island. The monarch of Shalak had eluded him for years, but Hawk's trigger finger was itching so severely he thought this might be the day man and beast would have their final reckoning. Marching along the seaside cliff, head high, Hawk himself was like a stag in a state of high alert. The year was 1962, and he was 27 years old, already an old man in naval intelligence. After many long months patrolling these very waters, aboard a Royal Navy destroyer, searching for Russian submarines, he'd personally felt the menace and reach of Soviet power. He was always aching to strike back, and it looked as if he might finally have a sporting chance to spill some bright red Russian blood. He'd arrived on the godforsaken island of Scarp two days ahead of his scheduled submarine pickup, travel arrangements courtesy of the Royal Navy. His